Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you normally skip this part of the podcast, please don't. Please, please, please stop. Do not hit the fast forward button. That's because I got something important to tell you. After two years of working on this, on and off, spending the last five years studying this topic, thousands of dollars to travel all over the country, God knows how many hours on the phone and Zooms, studying hundreds and hundreds of hours of game film, I am finally releasing my tight front package courses. They are available now for pre-release, so all the coursework is there, and as the summer goes on, the video with commentary will be added, and you will be notified when those changes are made. That's the great thing about CoachTube courses, though. You can add to them, and I will be adding material to them over the next six weeks. Course one is the base calls. It has an overview of the package, everything you need to know about tight four with an insert and an edge rush, complementing tight four with cover three and front adjustments, rushing the nickel star with cover three, auxiliary calls in the base package family. The second course is all about run fits. We go over all the calls from course one by formation structure, complete with RPO responsibilities related to the run fits. We examine zone read to and away from the tight end, out of four receiver looks, split zone, wide zone to the tight end, power read, arc and reading the four eye, tackle fold and dart, power to the tight end, pin pull to the tight end, zone cut weak, stretch bash, counter weak, and we even cover some quarterback design runs, including quarterback counter read, quarterback counter lead, and quarterback pin pull G lead. Course three is all about pressures. We go over the base package review and the structural issues to the tight front that we need to solve. We go over internal plugs at the tight end side, away from the tight end, to and away from the back, and how we combine those to create a game plan check. The strong edge rush cover three call, which I put in both courses, couldn't fit into just one. Double edge pressure five man rushes with fire zone three, cover one. Overload pressures with three deep fire zone two roll coverage and a hybrid quarters and man coverage, and also some six and seven man pressures. Those three courses already have nine hours of information without any video added yet. And that's why it's a pre-sale. Watch it now, get all the information. And when you're done watching by that time, the video will be up for you to enjoy. These courses by themselves are $49.99 a piece. So if you get the bundle today, you buy two and you get one free. To get the Tight Front Package Bundle, go to bit.ly slash tightfrontvass. And because I'm a defensive coach, I spell tight, T-I-T-E. Again, that's bit.ly slash T-I-T-E, front, 
V-A-S-S. Go there now during the pre-sale and you can buy two and get one free. And if you're driving and you can't remember that, just go to my Twitter handle, at Coach Vass. The link will be in my link tree in my bio. Thank you for the support and thank you for the patience because I know I've been saying I was going to release this for a long time, but life got in the way. But it's finally out now and I'm super excited for you to watch this. Hey now, welcome to another another episode of Run Vast Option. My name is Chris Vassar, a.k.a. Coach Vass. Thank you for joining me. Today's guest is Terry Heffernan, O-line coach at Stanford. He's been all over, and he brings his experience to us today in a fascinating discussion about pass protection. Before we get into the housekeeping, apologies for not putting out more episodes this was supposed to be a labor of love and going to have a lot of fun with it last year when I put it out. I did not anticipate my life taking some of the turns that it did and picking up some of the work that it did, which has been awesome, but this has been put on the back burner. I'm going to try to do more episodes as much as I can, but no promises, no schedule, but maybe it'll just be a fun thing. It'll just drop every once in a while. We will see. But forget all that stuff for right now. Let's do some housekeeping and let's talk to Coach Effernan. Housekeeping. I don't think you're sleeping. Housekeeping. Follow me on Twitter at Coach Vass, the Make Defense Great Again podcast account at MDGA Podcast, the Run Vass Option account at, you guessed it, Run Vass Option. Check out the website, CoachVass.com, has links to the aforementioned CoachTube courses as well as my other ones. Links to the podcast store, previous episodes and playlists. Also, if you need some help this summer, I offer consulting. You can do that through the website and contact me and I will reach back out to you. Patreon.com slash Coach is the place to be for all your coaching resource needs. We got a nice little West Coast offense summer study going 2021 Kentucky offense. All the cut ups by formation it will come out by play including run type pass type etc etc that's the newest item also check out youtube.com slash coach football if you haven't seen the jeremy Pruitt breakdown where he and i well mostly him broke down the 2018 national championship game between alabama d and georgia o we go through every single play he gives us insight to the calls meaning to some of the calls and some other thoughts about the game with some interesting stories including one about Minka Fitzpatrick, I guess, who just signed a deal to become the highest paid safety in the NFL. Also check out Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with code Avast. They will match you up to $100 with a minimum of $10 deposit. Start drafting your fantasy football teams. Again, you put in $100, they give you $100. You put in $10, they give you $10. And every sign up helps the show. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy. Use the code VASS. And as always, if you can't remember any of this stuff, go to linktree.com slash Coach Vass or just go to my Twitter bio at Coach Vass and the Linktree link will be there. All right, let's get to the show. Let's get into it, man. My guest today is Terry Heffernan, offensive line coach at Stanford. Coach, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. 
So I've always been a fan of yours and uh, got you, tricked you into, uh, obviously joking, but uh, tricked you into doing our huddle roundtable. And not only did you agree to, you brought some amazing friends. And even though I'm a DB guy at heart, it was one of the most fun roundtable things I've ever done. I learned so much. And so as soon as we finished, I was gracious and everything but then i was like hey man i gotta get you back for the podcast because that was really freaking awesome so thank you for agreeing to come back on i really really appreciate it so before we get into pass pro this we're gonna talk about today we kind of give the listeners a little background on how you got to stanford a little bit of your career trajectory and all that fun stuff tell us how you got to palo alto uh yeah so uh, grew up in the Midwest between Detroit and Chicago, played high school football in Chicago and went and played, uh, I was a center. I was a short, short center at the, uh, university of Dayton. And, you know, about sophomore year realized nobody was looking for six, uh, six foot, uh, NFL centers, uh, loved football and wanted to keep coaching, you know, or keep a part of it and become a coach. And so I got into coaching right after I, I graduated I uh, got a job at an NAIA school as a GA um, down at Cumberland University in uh, Lebanon, Tennessee. Um, and I also, you know, had a couple other jobs that actually paid the bills because that I paid zero dollars. But, um, uh, you know, that was my first coaching job. I went to the University of Louisville from there, worked for Bobby Petrino on the defensive side of the ball, uh, which was great. You know, being an offensive line coach, we led the nation in sacks. That year, we had Elvis Dumerville, one of our defensive ends, had had 20. And uh, just watching him tear people up taught me a heck of a lot about what you didn't want to do in pass protection and, you know, what the defensive line was looking for. So went from there to the University of Michigan, uh, then was at Wayne State in Detroit uh, as the um, as the O-line coach and OC for, for six years. And then we got my first job in the NFL with the uh, – in town there with the Detroit Lions. So assistant line coach uh, for a couple of years in Detroit, uh, went back to college football at Eastern Kentucky, um, and then uh, back to the NFL with the Buffalo Bills uh, for a couple of years, again, as the assistant line coach. And um, after a few years there, and, and uh, we lost the AFC championship game two years ago to the, the Chiefs, um, the job at Stanford opened up, and that was something I was interested in and it worked out. And um, going into my uh, second season out here. Well, Stanford certainly uh, has a special place in my heart. I lived just north of Stanford and just south of Stanford. So I lived in Sunnyvale, and then I moved up to San Mateo. Before that, I'd lived in San Jose, Gilroy, Hollister, all that good stuff. So I love okay. going and seeing okay. uh, a game at the farm. Also, uh, don't tell Sebastian the Ibis the mascot of my alma mater, but the Stanford tree might be my favorite mascot in all of football and the band. Just, it's a, it's a great experience. And I don't know if these guys still do it, but it was a really cool experience for a poor high school coach. You guys had a program where if you brought high school players and it didn't have to be recruits, but if you had high school player, you guys had tickets reserved for a coach to bring a player or two. And so I got to go to a couple games um, and have they gave us really great seats right behind the end zone. So we got like, the end zone view. And uh, 
very, very cool experience. And I just love Palo Alto. I love the area. I love the weather and, and it's being now a Floridian. I, I miss the hell out of it. <laughs> it's about to hit 97 yeah. degrees. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you get that humidity is a little different. Oh, it's like a wet blanket thrown on you. But anyway, so let's get into pass pro. Talk to me about your starting place. So the whole kind of thought process of this episode is I'm a freshman or you're talking to freshmen. They come to you. Let's say they're a, they're a great prospect, but maybe they play no more of a run offense or they didn't have great pass pro training or whatever, but your progression for how to teach guys walking through the building and even whether it's, it's college, even experienced guys throwing your NFL experience, the progression you use to teach the techniques you use within the protections. Before we get into that, talk to me about your philosophy on pass protection overall. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, you can start with a statement that the most important person in pass protection is the quarterback. And that's what we talk about in our room when we, we kind of get going on our, our first install that pass protection is not about us, not about the O-line. It's not about the running back. It's about the quarterback and making him comfortable. At the end of the day, what we've got to do in protection is to establish a pocket that he's comfortable throwing in. And so he can accomplish his job, getting the ball where it needs to go. So it's not, you know, the rivals five-star camp or whatever. We're doing a bunch of one-on-ones. and If you win your one-on-one, then you're successful. It's, it's the whole unit's got to work together to establish a great pocket for the guy throwing the football. Um, now we do that by, you know, with a couple, you know, principles saying we want to set, um, we want to set the pocket with the tackles setting the width of the pocket and the centers and guards setting the depth of the pocket. So your primary responsibility for your tackles is to set the width of that pocket. And then the other coaching point on that is everybody's got to do it inside out, you know? So uh, er, er, everything we said is to be inside out and then to set the depth and the width of the pocket. So the quarterback's comfortable. So every, every protection we install, you start by saying, Hey, this is a six, you know, this is a six man protection. And the launch point is at seven and a half yards, or this is a quick, you know, this is a, this is a five man protection. Uh, and the launch points at five yards, you know, so that's how many protectors do we have? Where's the ball being thrown from are the information that we want to start with. So beyond that, um, you know, then I think that gets into to, to technique and, you know, there's, there's plenty of different ways to, to set. And usually from an online standpoint, the discussion begins on how, how are you going to set your tackles? Um, you know, I, we, we have three different set angles for our tackles and what we would call a flat set or crowd set. And we'll get into that a little more with the inside guys, you know, which if, if you're making, if you're a math guy and you're, you're tied to angles is, is a aggressive flat set and maybe it's a 22 degree angle set. You know, we want to get out and get on the defender as quick as possible um, and really, you know, work our width on that. Uh, you know, then an angle set, generically it's a 45 degree angle set back with our tackles. Uh, but we, um, we really want to set to a spot, you know, people talk about in pass protection. Um, for us, it's a three, three nose rule. So you've got the defender's nose, the quarterback's nose, and there's a line drawn between those two noses. 
You know, we want to set to where our nose is going to intersect that on that line. So that's kind of how we define a an angle set. You know, we're get, we're we're uh, using the three nose rule to intersect that angle. And then the last one, which we use very very sparingly, is a vertical set. Uh, vertical set, you know, to me is uh, used in a dual scenario for a tackle on a five man protection, or when there's a high alert by alignment of a potential of a TE game. Um, you know, vertical sets great against. Uh, games and some things like that. But at, at the end of the day, we, we started by saying the tackles are going to set the width of the pocket. And as soon as you ask a tackle a vertical set, you're already squeezing your width, you know, and there's going to be plenty of other people that, that see that differently than myself. Shoot, there, there was 10 years ago, I was coaching vertical sets on all drop back. Uh, but I do feel pretty committed to saying, Hey, look, we, we got to take an angle set if we're, going to try to set the width of the pocket so that's kind of the tackles from a technique standpoint uh inside we have one set guards and centers and they they, we call it a crowd set you know and some people would say an aggressive set or a jump set when i started coaching it and said hey jump set it seemed like every guy was trying to launch himself at the defender uh and lead with his head and we kept getting getting swum getting beat so we kind of kept came up this is years and years ago with this concept of crowd setting. It just means you want to crowd the heck out of those D linemen and take, take the air out of it, you know, eliminate their cushion to generate force. You know, so when we talk about it and install it in our, in our line room, I'll walk right up on one of the linemen as I'm talking about it and stand inappropriately close to them, you know, and, and everybody <laughs> in the room can kind of watch the kid, watch the kid squirm, watch the kid kind of look around you know, you're, you're in his personal space and eventually say, Hey, are you uncomfortable by this? And, uh, he'll say, yeah. And that's when we start to talk about the biggest insult in all football. So Vash, you probably don't know this, but the most insulting thing on a football field is usually located in the defensive line section. And that's that, that's that sled. That's like a blue pad and it's got two arms coming off of it. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know why that's insulting? Because that's supposed to be us as O-linemen. I never that, thought that, of it that like represents that. represents us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insulting. Like, we're just going to stand there with our two padded arms sticking out, all right, so that you can do your one, two, three, four chop, one, two, three, four rip, you know, you work your spin moves and put, put it on your, your Twitter account and your YouTube videos. You know, that's us. So, you know, I always have a picture of that when I install and say, if we set uh, aggressively, if we crowd set these guys, it's it's when they get to their one and their one, two, three, four, we're already in their zone. Our hands are striking and, and punching through their breastplate. We're killing the cushion. And, and their, their alarm bells are going off because they've done so many one, two, three, four drills. Now you set back and give them space to generate force, to get into the rhythm, then we're playing it in their hands. We're playing like that dummy. You know, so at the end of the day, we keep that picture of that dummy up there for training camp saying, don't, you know, basically don't be this guy, right? Take the fight to them, close the space to the defender. And that's what we talk about when we say crowd set. So that's, that's all we do with our inside guys. So from a technique standpoint, those, those are the sets we use. And so this is across all of your pass protection. Those are the only sets you use. Right. If we're talking about drop back pass protection, 
that's you know that's the progression. Hey, tackles, what, what, which of these three are you going to use on this? Is it you know is the ball coming out quick? It's a five yard launch point. All right, well let's go ahead and crowd set on the edge. Um, you know, inside guys, like I said, that's that's all they're using, and then you can mix and match a little bit in pass protection, or I'm sorry, not pass protection in uh, play action. You know, the play action game, you're going to get a lot of aggressive sets, crowd sets, but you might have a simulated combo block, which is just a little bit different. That's it. We, you know, at at the end of the day, I try to keep everything we do as simple as as humanly possible and, um, you know, eliminate the gray, you know, let's give our guys enough, enough tools to solve the problem, solve the issues, but let's keep it simple. And the reason I feel that way is because I did, I spent five years coaching in the NFL at the highest level of, you know, football with guys who have nothing to do all day except football. And when we were in the best schemes, they were repetitive for our guys. They were, uh, the rules were simple for our guys. The communication was simple for our guys because the defense is going to give you a hell of a lot of challenging looks. You know, you can't control that. They're allowed to line up however they want. So the more simple your rules are and flexible your protections are, you're going to be prepared for whatever comes. Um, and, you know, without having to make a check or without having to, to be in the right quote-unquote protection, your rules should be able to handle all those challenging looks. So you're looking at drop-back pass from what you're saying. is you're looking at drop-back pass, it's also a quick game. You're saying the quarterback is getting the ball and he is throwing it. There's no movement. But you're putting those together because I know some guys will separate quick game and drop back into what they teach. So you're kind of putting them all together and then you're mixing and matching the techniques. Am I, am I hearing that right? Right. Yep. Right. So so we can go into, uh, you know, saying, hey, we're throwing uh, quick, quick jet protection or, you know, which it would be a three three step concept or a a five yard launch point is what we talk about now because so much is out of the gun um, and say, look, here, here are the techniques we want to use in quick jet. And, um, you know, then the next rep is uh, seven and a half yard launch point, uh, six man protection. Um, okay. Centers and guards you're using that same technique tackles uh, against this team. We're going to angle set. So you just kind of, you know, piecing those together start by saying, Hey, here are the different sets you can use. And then exactly here's when we want you to use them, you know, but if you're, if you're a guard, you know, and playing for me, uh, you're setting basically the same way on every rep. Now the alignment of the defense is going to change your angles and some of the things you do, but you know, the, the point of that is to get as many repeat reps as we can. We're only going to get so many sets. We're only going to get so many one-on-one pass rush. And instead of, you know, having a whole bunch of different options. I, I want my guy to be the best at the one thing that we're going to commit to. That makes sense. So now when you talk about pass protection, you've taught your techniques. Where do you go in terms of teaching protections? And now, now that they know what techniques to use, but identifying and some of the different protections that you use. And again, I know you can't give away any trade secrets or anything like that or names, but You know, we kind of talked about this the other day that a lot of the protections, there are certain things that guys like to do and different alerts and different changes and things. But for the most part, and and tell me if I'm wrong, 
would you say that a lot of like teams that are teaching two jet, it's pretty similar. Like there's, there's little nuances, but for the most part, two jet is two jet, three jet is three jet, half slide is half slide. Or does it, does it vary a ton between coaches and schemes? Yeah. You know, what's interesting. So, so the differences between most protections and protection systems to me is always just jargon or, you know, um, you know, what, what does that mean to you? Cause I've been in a couple different systems with jet protection that jet was this in that system. And it was this in this system, you know, or scat was a six man protection in this system. And it's a five man protection in this system. And so, you know, I think, I think the, the terms can be somewhat interchangeable. I think if you're talking about drop back protection, um, you know, and, and you've got, it begins with you're either going to be in a man protection in my, in my view saying, Hey, the O-line has four down and, and plus one against the four down front. So we have five guys. So when we have just five guys, we can set accordingly to block just those five guys. There's no other element, right? And the other variance of that is when you are responsible for more than you have. So we would call that a sort protection. So a sort says, okay, um, you've got, you know, the four down, uh, this one linebacker, but you're also responsible for a plus one if that guy drops and then the plus one comes. So that's where you get into your sort protections, which are your most common, you know, which I, I think a lot of a lot of guys would call a half man, half slide, slide referencing for we're setting for. Uh, if it's a three-man slide, we're responsible for the three most dangerous of four, right? At the NFL uh, level, you know, most guys would call that a sort. So you're you're sorting sorting out, you know, which second-level defender is is the most dangerous. And to me, that's it. Like I've been in a whole bunch of different protection systems that called things differently, um, but the essence of of your drop back protection is, is it a man protection where the O line is just responsible for five, you know, and then you're either solving your problems by having two backs or having one back cross country scan everything, or is it a sort protection where the O line's got against again, a four down look, Hey, we got the four down and then uh, the biggest threat of the next two backers. Um, and then the back's going to have a less, uh, a less aggressive scan in that protection. When we install and we break them up by that, you know, cause I think it, my, my guys should know, Hey, we have to set, we can set, you know, thicker and more messed up tighter together in a man protection because we're just responsible for these five, you know, and, and, and either uh, the, the uh, one back or two backs, um, are going to solve our problems. All right, now we're in a sort protection. You know, we're going to have to handle that a little bit differently. Right? We're going to have to set with a sort mentality. You know, and so within that, you could you could turn those two th- those two things into forty different protections if you wanted to. And I've been in schemes where it was it was really cool. Hey, we have forty different drop back protections, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, it was it was, is it a man protection or a sword protection? And, and where they became different was 
all right, this one's only out of two by two. This one's out of three by one. This is a three by O. You know, this one is with the tight end as the second back. This one's with the full back as a second back. And they were all called differently. You know, I, I think to me, you can, if you can build, um, you can build, let me, let me rephrase that. You can build your bet, your drop back passing game to have, uh, one or two, you know, protections, uh, that can handle all that and just keep it, keep it, call it the same thing. So basically, or, or I guess my question is, if all things are equal, what is your protection of choice? Do you like the sort or do you like the man? Yeah, well, I think I think if, if you're installing an offense, you start with a six-man sort protection. You know, I think that's that that's where football really is. You start with your six-man sort protection with the back on a scan. You know, so that you're saying, okay, if we're playing a four-down team and they bring just the nickel to our sort side, our back's going to get out, and the O-line's going to sort from that inside linebacker who drops out to the nickel, and we got that picked up. I think that's where, you know, all of – and you're thinking drop-back protection. Let's say we're in 11 personnel. That's where everything's got to start. All right, are we going to have to sort out to the nickel? Yes. Okay, so let's let's start our protection there. Um, you know, I think there there's some other schools of thought, and I've, I've worked in schemes where you would never ask your line to do that, and it's going to be the point, you know, done by either the center or the quarterback that's always going to be responsible um, to to pick up that pressure. So in a system like that where you're blocking a man protection, if the nickel is a threat, you'll move your ID, you know, your point, is, as I'll probably talk about it going forward, out to that nickel and now say, okay, the O-line's got the four down and your, and your point player is that nickel now. The difference between a sort protection and that man protection is that within your sort protection, you don't always have to be exactly right on your point on who's coming, Right because the O-line is going to be able to post-snap solve, solve any issue uh, to the sort side and pick up the three most dangerous if you're set with three. Does that make sense? As Absolutely. opposed to where if you're in that man protection, your, your point, whoever's making your ID or your point, has got to be going to the right guy, all right, because that's, that's who we're responsible for. You know, and so – um, it's easier to set as an offensive lineman. It, one of the hardest things to teach in pass protection is the sort, right? How, how do we set and get to the right people with all these different kinds of looks? You know, how do the guys work together? How do they communicate? So you end up spending a whole bunch of time on your sort, or some people would call it a slide, you know, uh, when you're teaching pass protection. But if you do it the other way and say, hey, we're never going to ask our line to do that, you're going to spend a hell of a lot of time going through tape and making sure whoever's making your point is exactly right all the time, which as you know, as a defensive guy, you got all kinds of tricks and all kinds of uh, stuff to, to make it hard for us to always be right. You know? And so I think you're building, when you build in the six man protection and your six man protection, you're saying, Hey, we don't want this quarterback to be hot. 
right? Let, let's build this thing so where this quarterback is not throwing hot. And we're fine with him throwing hot in five-man protection. But as you get into the six-man world, I think, you know, most, most places I've been, you said, all right, we do not want to throw hot if we, if we don't have to. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you know, sort protection obviously has its advantages. When do you think it's better just to man it up besides an empty situation? Well, you, you don't even have to do it then, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So when do you think man is better in your brain? So if you are willing to commit seven pass protectors to your protection, then I think you can you can solve a lot of your problems in in a man world, right? So you might have to move your pointer, uh, you know, a little bit, but but you have two backs that can that can whether it's an on the ball tight end and an off the ball back or two off the ball backs, you have seven protectors. Um, you know, you can you can live in a man world. All right. Now, you know, as a defensive guy, you're probably saying, well, we can always bring one more than, than you, you have protecting, which is hundred percent true. But I think you can build and fail safes off of that. Um, when you are in a six man protection, it is, it is my opinion that uh, to play fast, to be able to, to get up, make your ID and snap the football. Um, you know, you're going to have to be in a short world. And then that's going to carry over in a five-man protection where you're, you're going to want to, you know, have a sort side to your protection and then have a, a hot side away from that. What about when you're five-man protecting? If you're an empty or if you have a concept where you're free releasing, what is your, if all things are equal, again, I know that there may be certain defenses you see and certain scenarios and different things like that where you might prefer man, but or prefer zone or whatever, but what are you, what are you liking in general when you're five man protecting? Yeah. So I, I think the, to me, the key to five man protecting is like, let, let's say we're, you know, let's say we're calling our um, six man protection, 64 and 65. All right. So if 64 is our six man protection, uh, in the digit side four meaning right, is where our back's going to start. So as you go through and teach that protection, you're teaching the left side in 64, all the rules of the sort, right? How we're going to, we're going to handle our, 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 our downs and our plus one and the right side, you're saying, well, you guys are man, right? Cause we have a back to your side. That's going to solve any issues. The easiest way to block five man protection is to take that and say, all right, Hey, now let's say we're in 54 protection and this is five man. All right. Uh, right side, you're still the digit side, but you don't have a back to solve problems. You don't have a back uh, to block a linebacker walk down in our A or B gap. So you're going to have to transition your mentality to, to a hot side. Right. So now you're in a, you know, a dual or a squeeze scenario where you're responsible for blocking the two most dangerous of three over there. And your sort side doesn't have to change, right? So there's the, the same exact coaching point. You've installed that five-man protection on the sort side already by installing it in the six-man game. So nothing changes there. It's just when you go from a six-man protection to a five-man, there's the hot component and the hot element to your digit side. Gotcha. Now let's talk about the sword protection. 
now that the the players have learned the techniques, now it's day one and you're on the board. You've kind of mentioned it a little bit, but how are you teaching them the concept? The man side is much easier, right? I got this guy, mm-hmm. I got this guy, and then you may bump twists and things like that, but that's pretty cut and dry, right? right. Let's talk about the sort yep. side. What is your progression to teaching that sort side to pick up all the crap you might see? Right. So I think you have to say, hey, where is our sort going to begin? You know, our sort's going to begin with the point, right? So that means, in, in other words, we're going to sort inside out first. So if, there, if there's two threats there, there's the, the Mike linebacker and then the nickel Sam's walked over the slot. If our ID is that Mike linebacker, that's where our eyes are going to start at tackle, guard, and center if we're in a three-man sort. So you know, just to keep it simple, I'll have the center. Uh, we've got a you know play side, two-eye, right? And so we get the center, the left guard, and the left tackle are blocking a three-man sort from that inside linebacker out to the nickel. So we always have to start with the point and sort that thing inside out. So if that guy runs through the A-gap, the tackle's got to know I'm sticking on the end. The guard's going to take that nose as he loops out to him. The center's blocking the mic in the A. That's going to give our running back time and distance to stand, scan across and block that nickel if he comes as well. Right? So that's a good matchup for us. We got a skinny blocking skinny, and we got time and distance to make that right. Where, where you, you know, have to work out is where our point, that Mike linebacker player, he turns and drops and runs out, and that end digs inside. Now we've got to communicate from our guard or our tackle, hey, out, 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 okay? Our point is working out, so the tackle's eyes have to snap out to the nickel. So that's usually the scenario you start with is, you know, the point is coming straight downhill. Um, you have to get your tackle to, to be tied into that point so that he's not out setting past that defensive end you know, because he's so darn concerned about the nickel, right? He's got to trust in his communication from the center of the guard, the uncovered lineman in there. Uh, when that point runs out, the tackle's going to see that, all right? And then he knows, okay, here's, here's my help coming from inside out from the guard, and we're going to bump through that defensive end out to the nickel. And if you can get those two scenarios down, you've essentially taught a sort. Now there's, you know, as you know, there's a hundred different patterns that can come up, right? You can get in a three down alignment. You can, you know, put five guys on the line of scrimmage, but from a short standpoint, if you can handle the point coming, this is how we want to block it. You can handle here come the plus one is coming. Here's how we want to block it. And really the third thing you teach is when they both come, where, where do we want to start? And for us, that's always to start inside out. You know, that's the bigger of the two players, generally speaking. It's also closer to the quarterback. So we always want to start that sort inside out. And we're always okay with the back scanning across and blocking that nickel. Or, you know, in high school, that might be a Sam linebacker. But it's, he's still further in distance away from our launch point. Now, a question about the launch point. Do you ever change your launch point based on the height of your quarterback or the athleticism, or do you have hard and fast rules? It doesn't matter who's back there. It's this for drop back, this for quick game. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, no, I have not changed it. 
because your launch point is so tied, especially to the set angle of your tackles, right? So if you're teaching that tackle, hey, you know, here's how you want to set to be able to protect where this ball's being thrown at seven and a half yards. You know, you want him to have a thousand reps going through the summer, spring football and training camp on that angle. You know, I'm, I was lucky enough uh, to go to a camp one time and Tony Baselli was, you know, bringing the son to camp. And so I just ended up talking to him for like an hour and a half before we got going. And I said, well, you know, what was one of the things, uh, Tony, that made you such a great pass protector? And he said, you know, when we do special teams, he would get out cones and close his eyes and set on the angles that he felt like he would need to set on. You know, he wanted to have those, th- those three tools that we talked about, the flat set, the angle set, and the vertical set, right? Because he said, I'm going to play, you know, and this is his era, I'm going to play, um, you know, Derek Thomas, all right, who's going to come flying off the ball, right? He's, he's a rocket ship. He's going to run right past me if I angle set him. So, or, I'm sorry, if I flat set him. So I've got to angle set and, and at times I'm going to have to vertical set Derek Thomas right to, to counter his speed because I can't hang with him but I can beat him with angles I can make him come through my body and he said the next week we'll fly up to Green Bay and I've got to play Reggie White and he's like if I give Reggie White space to generate force and go speed to power on me he might knock me through the quarterback right so that's where I had to have the tool, you know, he's saying I, I had to have the tool of being able to get on him quick because I couldn't, I couldn't let him generate force. I couldn't let him get up to speed. And so he said, you know, what he did in his time as a lineman was he would just set out cones and close his eyes and set those angles, you know, because when, when the chips are on the line, he wanted to have such a, just a feel for what that, that felt like in his body you know, that you could wake him up in the middle of the night and he could set on a 22, he could set on a 45, and he could hit vertical set, you know, without much effort. And it was just getting getting those that many reps at those angles that was big for him. That's an awesome nugget right there. That's really, really cool. It's amazing what talking to great players, what they can teach you. And, and you know, you hear that at the highest levels, guys. Oh, the, you know, the players... I learned as much for them as they learned for me. And at first when I heard that, I said, oh, well, that's bullshit. But the more and more yeah. you talk to these really great players, you know, it's, it's interesting because they know their bodies so well. You know, with me, with working with high school yep. kids, like they, part of the problem is they didn't know their bodies. And, and that's why, and this is a yep. completely different topic, but I always talked about my fear of coaching off coverage in high school was, you know, you're, you got a developing kid who's, you know, everything is rapidly changing in them. And now you got a guy they've never gone against running full speed at you and you have to judge their speed and tempo it and then open, you know, going from one direction to another backing up first. Like that's why we played so much damn press coverage was the the kids wouldn't, they didn't understand their bodies, but when you get to these elite levels and what these guys can actually, if you listen to them and so many great coaches, they listen to their players. It's, it's really fascinating what you can learn from them. Absolutely. So I, I put up a slide and at least we talk about it, you know, in recruiting and talk about it with our linemen of, you know, a bunch of the guys I was able to work with in the NFL, you know, and it's a, just a cross section of guys who are vested vets. You know, they played enough games 
to where they're fully in the retirement for the NFL, which by NFL standards means you've, you've made it. You're a true NFL guy if you've vested in the retirement. And I put their pictures up there to say, look, I'm not, you know, this isn't to say, hey, look, I coached in the NFL, listen to everything I, I, I'm going to tell you. To me, this is the best resource I've ever had as a coach, is be working with these guys. And the reason is these guys figured out some way to make it in a league that's really, really hard to stand. You know, and some of them it was physical ability. Some of them maybe it was their note-taking. A lot of these guys, it was how they maintenance their body, you know, how they lifted, how they stretched. You know, there's so much to be learned from, from players as a coach. You know, that it, there's so many coaching points that I have that I learned from a guy. And it might have been an NFL guy, and it might have been when I was coaching D2. You know, but, but those guys – is always, always, you know, using those guys as a, a fantastic resource as a coach is, I think, something I, I hope I never forget. Yeah, I, I know when I was young, I would, you know, I came from that old school mentality of you tell the players what to do and they do what you say and that yeah. sort of thing. And yeah. I remember I was sitting with Nick Rapone, the DB coach for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and we were hanging out at a glacier in Northern California. And I asked him about, because um, at the time he was working with prime Patrick Peterson. And there was another corner mm-hmm. who played off. And I asked him at the time, I didn't realize it was a stupid question, but it was something like, you know, how do you teach Patrick Peterson press? Or how do you, like, how do you, something to that effect. And obviously, you know, coach, you know, coaches, even Aaron Donald has a coach, a very good coach. And there's things that they can pick up on. But basically, my question was something to Nick, like, how do you, you know, teach or work press? And he looked at me. (laughs) He was trying to be, he was very polite. Now I know what he's probably thinking in his head many years later. But, like, I'm teaching Patrick Peterson how to play press. I think it may be the other way around. It was kind of the joke he made. (laughs) But I didn't realize at at the time because I was so young and I had so little experience about the world and, well, in general, but the world of the NFL of of how the coaches they shape the players based on what they need rather than the one size fits all because in high school you know you're coaching 20 guys you don't have the time you don't have the resources to do like tailor-made techniques for everybody you teach those blanket techniques and then you kind of shape them from there but so much of 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 coaching at the pro level and correct me if i'm wrong seems to be you know, you're shaping them, you're listening to them and giving them feedback rather than being like, you do this, you do that, you know, in, in terms of technique now with the, with the, the protections and everything, Absolutely. everything's yeah. got to be on the same page. You can't just be like, well, I think I'm going to do this in this yep. protection. It's like, no, but in terms of their technique, yep. I mean, how much of it is the players, especially those guys, those vets, those vested guys, how much of it is like, Hey man, I've gotten to this level. I'm 30 years old. Now. I've been in the league for seven years or whatever this is what's worked for me, you know, it's not worth changing. I mean, how much of it is that? Well, I, I think that, that becomes a big decision you've got to make as a coach. Um, because, you know, especially at that level, you're going to inherit guys. And you might get them week three and the front office expects you to play them that week or the next week. Um, so the, the decision you've got to make is what in your teaching is, you know, what, and I work for, you know, Brian Dable in, um, in Buffalo, who's now the Giants head coach, and he would say, you know, the, the phrase non-negotiable. So I do think there's got to be 
some things that are non-negotiables in what you coach. You know, techniques that you say, look, I understand you've had experience doing X, Y, and Z elsewhere, but this is how we do this here. Um, I think you draw your line on those things, and but part of, you know, what gives you credence on those things is saying, okay, I'm good with you, you know, short-setting this. You know, that, that's something you've done in your last couple stops. I'm okay with you doing that. Um, but over here, when we do this, this is my non-negotiable technique. So I think as you, as you kind of think about your scheme and how you're coaching um, as a position coach, it's important to know what are your non-negotiables. What, you know, and it might be your coordinator saying, we're going to block this this way, and that's non-negotiable. Uh, and what are the things you're willing to kind of work with the players on? Because I think it's important to have both, you know, be able to kind of go back to that old school mentality a little bit and flash your teeth on a couple things and saying, look, hey, we're going to hang our hat on doing this this way. And, you know, there's a lot of power into having ownership for the players. You know, especially the older guys you get, and that might be your juniors and your seniors in high school, saying, yeah, you've really worked and grown as a player, and I want to give you a little bit of voice in, in what we're doing technique-wise, and that can be really empowering. You just have to make the decision on what you're willing to, to coach that way and what are your non-negotiables. Hey coaches, did you miss the Huddle Blitz 22 clinic? Want to rewatch any of your favorite sessions or catch up on what you missed? Good news. Every session from Huddle's second annual free virtual football summit last month is now available at Huddle's Blitz Rewind page. There's nearly three dozen sessions to comb through, including presentations from some of the game's top minds at all levels. Primetime himself, Deion Sanders, Zach Taylor, Doug Peterson, Marcus Freeman, Dave Aranda, PJ Fleck, Jeff Munkin, Pat Fitzgerald, Jeff Saturday, Jason Mons, and they even let me in. I hosted three panels this year. One was an O-line panel with Terry Heffernan, Jeremiah Washburn, and Scott Wooster. An offensive panel with Kyle McDonald, Willie Korn, and Brennan Marion. And even a defensive panel, yes, a defensive panel, <laughs> with myself, Chris King, Adam Gaylor, and Kyle Kogan. And it's all up at huddle.com slash blitz. That's right. Go to huddle.com slash blitz. All of these sessions are up free to watch again and again as many times as you want. And they're amazing. The best part is it's the uncut version. Most of the things that you saw were a 40 to 45 minute cut, but we recorded bonus material. So even if you watch the clinics live, there's still more stuff up there. My favorite was when we started getting into a question about Kyle McDonald's Jordan collection, and we ended up talking about Willie Korn's favorite hot sauce and somehow made it onto the topic of Brendan Marion's farm. Make sure you check it out and happy blitzing. Okay, so we were talking about sword protection. We talked about what happens if the mic comes and then if the nickel comes. But what if they both come, the old NCAA blitz? It's still, you know, it's still around. But I don't know why I say the old, but 
I think it's because I said the old NCAA. I, I, I teach the young guys, the coaches, the old NCAA <laughs> yeah. route with the, you know, the shallow cross out of two backs yeah. and, and all that yeah, stuff. Okay. So now I've started yeah. using the old NCAA talking about the blitz, but it's very much alive. What do you like to do? Well, I don't know if it's like to do in that situation, but what do you <laughs> prefer to do or what are your, what are your uh, favorite ways to handle that pressure um, in the sort world? Yeah, no, I'm glad you bring that up. Cause when, when you go somewhere, you know, you go somewhere new and you're talking through your, your you know, base six man drop back protection. That's usually one of your very first questions you want to address as a staff is, all right, it, we're going to get, you know, the veer scrape NCAA with the mic in the, in the nickel Sam coming. Um, how, how do we want to handle that? You know, um, and how, how, you know, I choose to start it as inside out. You always want to start your sort inside out. So if we're, you know, pointing that mic spot and he comes and our guy, uh, you know, uh, guard passes the DN off from the tackle or overtakes him from the tackle and the tackle's eyes go to the mic, he picks him up. We're saying our back has time and, and distance uh, to fit off of that and go to take the nickel. You know, and from a personnel standpoint, generally, if you're getting nickel defense, uh, that's a better personnel matchup for your back to take the nickel as opposed to a scraping mic. Um, where teams differ and protection systems differ is what if the nickel Sam is on the end of the line? You know, he's, he's, he's a bigger threat um, than the mic at depth. And so... In that situation, you know, a lot of protection schemes would say, okay, let's, let's, you know, either adjust our point. So do something called point on. So you would point on to the, the Sam, uh, Sam player and say, Hey, we're going to start a sort with him and the back's going to scan, you know, uh, from his side work to that mic, or you're just going to say, Hey, we're going to, you know, set out to the, to the, uh, to the Sam spot. Uh, the other way to handle that is to say, no, okay, we're going to stay tied to this mic. Um, and even if the Sam comes down at the end of the line, we're not worried about that. And we're going to have the back scan across. So some teams live in that world. And that's more of a, more of a man mentality than a true sort. You know, so what I've done a couple different places is, you know, your sort builds in that, hey, if, if we feel like this Sam is a bigger threat uh, based off of his pre-snap alignment, the tackle can make a call uh, to send the sword out to that Sam and, you know, kind of alert the back that we're going to set out to him. So, but it takes a fair amount of reps for, for whoever's controlling, whether the quarterback's repointing it or you're making a call or the tackles making a call it takes a bunch of reps for those guys to, to get a feel where, you know, where we want to do it when the Sam's here Um you know, we'll make that call. And then what happens if we make that call and Sam is just messing with us, he bails out, you know, how are we going to fall back in and take that mic? So that's something that is, you know, usually a part of your, your early progression when you're working the sorts. Now, do you have to switch up your plan? So let's just say you're getting four from the side and most people are going to mm -hmm. want to attack the running back, but let's say, you know, you've, you've lined the running back up and you're bringing him across. So let's say it's a, it's a little bit different, but yeah. um, let's say it's 
um, you know, you've set the sort to the left, man to the right. The back isn't lining up to the left. So the defense thinks it's attacking the back. And right. Trying to get, because that's all we try to do, right? Let's get two on the back and get, and I, I've told this on the defensive podcast. <laughs> I put an asterisk there because in high school, sometimes the last guy you want to attack is the back. I remember we played Liberty of Bakersfield. Okay. And they had this 230 pound running back who was a linebacker and he was a mean some bitch. And <laughs> he like we I remember being like designing pressures because he, he was bigger than most of our, our second level rushers. And yeah. I remember being like, hey, let's not blitz to the back because <laughs> yeah, he was right. so big and so mean. And he was so like he would just knock the shit out of people on pass pro. But let's say we're getting that where the defense either intentionally thinks it's attacking the man side, but it gets the, uh, the zone side or the pressure they bring. Let's say it's field and boundary. Cause some guys are field and boundary and they're guessing, but they are trying to overload and they get the sort side. So we talked yeah. about the NCAA path, but let's talk about some uh, adjustments off of that and how you would play that out. So one of the, I don't know if you could say popular, but one of the adjustments that guys do is they run the NCAA path but they flip the nickel knowing that you're going to protect inside out. They're going to say, okay, we're going to bring the nickel on a spill path. And then we're going to loop the mic off the edge. So he starts to come yeah. up, he's coming inside and then he loops around for contain. How do you handle something like that? Yeah. So a similar mechanic, but you, there's one extra layer of communication. You need to bump one guy out more, you know, so we would refer to that as an X path. So if NCAA is a normal blitz, if we, you know, tag it with NCAA X, that means it's a gap exchange between the nickel and the, and the mic. So when you got um, X path teams, that's, you know, the tackle's got to know, all right, Hey, look, these, these guys have this in their repertoire. Like we can't just clamp on that, that nickel. If you tax your inside shoulder, you've got to trust that the guard's going to be there. Guard's going to have to push you through and then you can get, inside out on the mic spot. They're going to run the kind of exchange pattern. Um, go back to your, uh, <clears throat> go back to your earlier point though. I think a- anytime you're, you know, I think we're talking about six man, uh, you know, mostly gun drop back protection. Your, your biggest tell your protection is going to be where your backs aligned. So there's a couple ways. And I think you always have to have the ability to, um, sword to the backside or, you know, adjust your protection to the backside. You know, the two ways to do that are, you know, have a, a p- protection that's um, flexible enough to where the quarterback or the center can flip it and move the sword side based off of threats. Or if you're kind of locked into saying, Hey, we're going to call it this way. We're going to run it this way. Maybe you're going to throw a sight or hot off of a fourth blitzer then you, you've got to self-scout yourself. Well, that's redundant. So you've got to self-scout uh, and know, you know, hey, we in three by one, we put her back here. Well, let's move them over here and try and invite this pressure, you know, from this direction or or something. I think, I think that's really important. Between that and if you're a team that points in your protection, those are two things that can give away your tendencies of where your back is and where your man side is. And you've got to, you've got to be very aware of, um, you know, not giving the defense too much information with those sides. Yeah. So let me talk about the pointing thing, because that's become 
I think that's one of the things that some guys are keeping secret because I think some of what defenses are doing, and maybe we can talk off air about some of those real specific things. Okay. <laughs> you can help me out. So you on can the go on your other podcast and leak the, leak the secrets. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm saying we talk about this off air. No, there's, there's, okay, I got you. There's, I don't, you know, I like to talk about things. And I'm I'm all about sharing information, but if there's something that's like really still not out there, I kind of, you know, don't, yeah. especially if I'm using it, because, you know, I do consulting with people and I, I help game plans and things, but let's just say that's something that guys are really starting to get into the point stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you, I mean, you kind of mentioned it already and you don't have to get into specifics, but. What are some ways to mitigate? You point opposite. You you don't point. I mean, at yeah. some point that you have to balance out that. Okay, they know what we're going to do, and we got to execute it. Versus, hey, we can't tip our hand too much. You know, you can't worry about too much what they know. Where you start second guessing yourself. But how do you kind of handle that? Yeah, I, I think, and that's you know, I've been in a whole bunch of these discussions over the years. Um, Cause you got, especially when you got the, the two, three technique split front with double mugs. Um, that was certainly an NFL trend for a long time of reading that point, you know? Okay. You can tell a, if you pointed at this backer, he was going to bail and the other guy's going to pick your center. And, you know, so you got into tools of not pointing, you got into tools of saying polar, you know, where that means I'm pointing left, but we're going right. Um, you know, I think you the easiest thing is uh, if you just vary up, you know, in, in some protections we are setting to the point, some protections we're not setting to the point. You know, and, and I've been in some schemes that did that, and I thought, oh, that you know, initially this is kind of weird. We're not setting to the point. This is strange. But then at the end of the day, when, when you look at those offenses, um, you, you don't, you don't know where the center is going based off of simply the point. All right. So, so those choice blitz teams, we never saw any of that because we weren't consistent enough because, Hey, we just, you know, tagged a different number on this protection. And that meant the center was setting away from this point, you know, and ended up shaping out about the same, same, you know, look the same protection wise, but to somebody that was trying to read our point, we would, we would, uh, we would be, you know, the short side would be away from it. So, gotcha. but I, you know, it's, it's just like, it's like anything else, you know, Hey, how deep is the back? What side is the back on? You know, where, where's the quarterback point, all, all those pre-snap things that people can really zone in on. Um, you know, sometimes you can use them to your advantage and, and say, Hey, we're going to point here and that's where they're going to bring their blitz. Cause they're, they're, you know, trying to read that and we're going to set right into it. Um, you know, I think you just have to be aware of whatever your scheme is, is telling the defense. And then, you know, how are you offsetting that? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of stuff in, I won't go into two, cause you know, I pr- want to protect guys and what they do. I mean, especially if it's, if it hasn't been discovered yet, but there are some teams that, you know, they'll let, they'll, they'll line up in double threes and if the center points left, they'll let the, well, to their left, they'll let yeah. the right three technique be the one with the two way go because you don't want right. to give both of them two way goes and yeah. you don't, you know, 
want to guess and if you're getting that tendency, but you know, I mean, that's one thing that I, uh, and I know a lot of people try to pick up on is, is that tendency just, just like defense. I mean, where alignments are, I mean, you know, stands, how light you are on your hands. I mean, everything there's a, there's a story before every play. Right. And I used to, I used to get mad. Um, the, the thing that would drive me nuts in practice is the guys that would make all their line calls, all the calls the same at the line every time in practice, you know, they're yelling Zorro, 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 which everybody in the world knows is zone, right? And then our guys are making a TFL and then the offensive coaches are getting mad that our guys are cheating the play. It's like, how do you unhear that? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it'd be, that'd be like telling the quarterback it's cover. You know, you got to play on it's cover two. We're telling you cover two. Everybody starts screaming cover two. And then they throw the whole shot, which is supposed to be the, you know, that the, the go routes, the alert on the play. And they're not supposed to throw it unless it's, co- you know, man to man. And they throw the whole shot and get the first down. And then what am I going to yell at the quarterback for using that information? You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's so, but there's always that fine line. Like I mentioned of, you know, don't outsmart yourself. And sometimes you just got to do things. And that's always an interesting thing to look at when talking to coaches is weighing the benefits and rewards of being like, all right, you know what? We're just, we're going fast. We're pointing. That's where we're going to who gives a shit, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the dance. I think that's kind of what you're talking about, about, Hey, we've got to communicate to be on the same page, right. As a, as a line and then to the back. And every running back coach out there is going to, you know, they want some elaborate uh, point or system or helmet taps or whatever to make it clear for their guy. Um, and that's good. You need those things to, to be all on the same page and to, to work together. But in everything you do, you're giving, you know, potential fuel to the defense. You know, so I think that's just you've got to, however your protection system works, you've got to think about, well, what are, what are we doing that's counter to that? You know, what's our offset to where n- nobody can walk into that meeting when they're game planning for us and say 100% of the time they do this or 95% of the time they do this, you know? And, and I, I'd probably be asking you more than, than telling you, but, you know, if you get a team that's 60-40, you don't feel great about basing everything off of that point or off no. of some level of communication. No, right? it's the ones that really jump out at you that, that you can sink your teeth into that and, and set your game plan around. No, I think that's when you start to say, okay, well, well, let's just take, let's take that, that, that example you gave with the double A gap. So yeah, what people did was they would bring both and then they're like, Hey, why do we need to bring both? If we can figure out which one, well, let, let's just bring one. Well, you're guessing. Okay, so let's read the center. And then somebody f- figured out, well, what if we read the point? What if they tell us before the play? Yeah. Well, now you get 60-40. So just based on this example and what we're talking, and this is me and you bullshitting. I mean, I, I can't tell you what I would necessarily do, you know, gun to my head in that situation. But I would say I'd run the one where we would go off the – you know, 60, 40, we're going to go off the one where it's like, okay, we're still going to read it, but Hey, they, they may be telling you what's going on. Right. You know, and also, right. also if there's a pattern, cause you know, if, if the ones that 40% is every other time, 
they're lying or they go through a spell where they they tell you the right direction seven times and then the wrong direction five times in a row. You know what I mean? Then you're going to look at that sort of thing. And then that's when you really go down the rabbit hole. I mean, that's that's where you start to get and it can drive you insane. And so and then that's where the point is. And then we talk about the dance on my end where it's like, well, let's just read the damn center. That's right. You know, like, I don't, turn, I don't have time for this shit. Some way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because it looks great on paper and it sounds great in the clinic, but if, if you guys are going, okay, pointed at me, you know, th- think about this. They're lining up in the A-gaps like, all right, he pointed at me. Last time he didn't point at me. He pointed at me, but he took the other guy. Yeah. But then the time before that, <laughs> the ball snapped. You know That's what I mean? Right. Like, you don't have, it's just, just yeah. then, you know, then now you're reacting to them instead of setting the intentions. And then my answer would just be bring both of them. And then you'll, You'll be guaranteed that one of them will get the matchup you're on. Yeah, it, I think that that's a it, that's a great kind of summation. Is our job on offense is just to make sure that you're having that much consternation about it. You know, just don't don't put yourself in a in a situation where you're 100 percent of of anything, right? So that 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 defensive coordinator has got to go through uh, some of the process that you just talked about. Yeah, I mean, I just irritated myself during a during, during a hypothetical. Yeah, I can't imagine if this was game week, but yeah, I mean, that's where, yeah, just to switch it up. But now the other path I wanted to talk to you about that's age old, that's still very popular, and is you're getting the four from a side to the sort side again. Most people aren't going to do this by design. But it, especially at the lower levels, some guys listening to this in high school where the hashes are wider or you play pistol teams to shift the back. I mean, at some point, hey, we want to get four to a side. We're going to try to get it to the back. But if we don't know where the back is going to go, I mean, going back to the dance, right? We got to guess. Right. Now, the path I'm going to talk about is you got the G, you got the five, you got the mic, and then you have the nickel. The G is going to cross face and he's going to end up working opposite to the center, opposite the center, right? Yep. The end is going to come upfield and then the mic yep. is going to hit the, the A gap and then the nickel's yep. going to hit the outside part of the B gap, but he's going to blitz off the, the face of the tackle. If he's down, I come off his ass. If he passes, I come, off, I come across his face. Yep. How are you preparing to pick that up? Because I know that's a real popular one. You know, you're talking about all these different patterns that, Shoot, that might be 12 or 13 different calls for you guys on defense to get you in those patterns. For us in the breakdown, it's just NCAA. You know, you get your NCAA X pattern when the, the nickel's first and the mic wraps, and then NCAA in when that defense man goes up the field and those two guys, two implements in underneath him. Um, you know, not, not a ton difference other than your back is going to have to scan. He's going to take that nickel and he's going to have to fit in the B gap underneath the tackle or if you get a late up and under from that defensive end then he's going to have to adjust and, and work out to uh to that nickel uh because when the mic comes downhill like that on that track uh your your center's going to take the the g your guard should set inside out on that mic and then your tackle's going to have that defensive end as he goes up the field so it, it is it's a good change up because it's, it's a different pattern you know any any type of different pattern is a different challenge for the for the line as they sort. Uh, as an online coach, it's your job to just, you know, and usually, if, you know, shoot, I was just on the road spring recruiting, and you go down, and I was in Texas this week, and, and they, man, they get, they're out there practicing, and 
we got football period down there. It's awesome. And, uh, but you know, they don't get invited to the seven on seven. So the online's down there working technique. And that's also a great time to what we'll work is just these patterns, you know? So we split our line up half, um, half the line goes and works, uh, the short side of the protection, you know, where we're bringing this just Rolodex of different patterns every day. Um, you know, not necessarily for an opponent, just knowing that these are the different patterns you can get. And then we have the other side of our protection actually work five man. So they're working the hot side of a five man protection. And so it's your squeeze scenarios, your squeeze pop scenarios, uh, and your big duels with your tackles. So that's, that's a period we try and get every day. And it's, you know, and really it's semi-specific to opponent, but for the most part, you're just working patterns. Yeah, I'm sure you guys go through and you pick the the most used patterns, and I'm sure you're studying, you know, what Georgia did last year now that Oregon's in the conference and, you know, what Alex Grinch did at USC and, you know, a, a lot of that type of stuff. And then, of course, the guys that have already been in the conference and, and work those. In, in the sort progression, though, is there anything else that we need to cover that's, like, important or, or that's not, like, exotic one-off stuff but, like, is kind of in the core progression? No, I, I think, you know, the decision you, you got to make a little bit as, as you teach your sort is, um, you know, how, how are you going to set your tackle? That's where I kind of start with it too. So, you know, it's easier to set, um, to sort with a tackle that's vertical setting. You know, he, he gets a little more time to kind of assess, hey, is, is the point coming downhill that I'm staying on the end? Now the point's running out that I – I might get bumped out to the nickel, but uh, there's a cost of vertical setting your tackle, right? And, you know, so everything for us begins in setting the width of the pocket. So we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to, we're still going to angle set that guy. And so then, you know, we have to change a little bit of how we're communicating, how we're letting him know that he's working out. Um, you know, who's the, who's the primary communicator on those things. Uh, so those are the big kind of things you have to work through is, you know, assigning, okay, if you got a three technique in the center, you're going to have to send this sword out. Or if you got a G or shade guard, you're going to have to send the tackle out in your communication. Um, and then have those guys just work that, you know, cause you know, there's, there's a saying your, your volume is your confidence. Right. And so when you, you put in your short protection, even my guys, I'll do it. You know, we'll get a little time here in the summer, work it. And they'll come out and kind of say, you know, out, out, out. No, buddy, you've got, you've got to have some real conviction in when you're communicating to that guy so he knows what he's doing. And the more confident they get in, in passing those things and working the patterns, uh, you know, the more aggressive they'll communicate. So let's move to the man side. Where's your progression there? Yeah, and, and so when you're talking about man side protector, really that goes back to that drill we talked about earlier in the set progression. So that this the set progression that you're going to work every day, and and however you're going to communicate how you want those techniques blocked to those guys, that should solve any look over there. And then beyond that, your next your next issue in the man side comes when guys exchange and they run games, and that gets into okay, how how do we want to teach passing games off? So those are really those are really the only big issues to the, to your man side. It's you know, technique on your man set, and then how are we going to work together to pass off games? 
So let's talk about the passing off of games. You know, what what techniques are you wanting to use? And then how does the back factor in there? Are there any, I mean, I know it's it's pretty simple. You're going to try to, if you're talking four down, you're going to try and bump those, you know, try to keep it between those guys. But how is the back involved, if at all? Yeah, well, so that that's, that's the trend that I saw probably the biggest in college football a year ago. And it's, it's a good scheme is if you can kind of lock into where that back is and run a kind of a pick or a wrap scheme involving the back and a man protector, that's really hard. It's really hard, you know, because to pass a game, uh, and we're talking about maybe a TE here to pass, pass a TE game. The first thing I want is my offense lineman to be on the same level. Right. So, uh, you know, when you are aggressive setting your inside guys and your angle setting your tackles, you know, that's something that, okay, so maybe you have to find each other again on that same level a little bit. You know, if you're aggressive setting your inside guys and you're vertical setting your tackles, now it's, it's really challenging at times to get your guys to pass games on the same level. So if you can bump hip to hip and stay on the same level, that's the easiest way to pass a game. And our, our big coaching point is you got you got to stop the penetrator in the game first. So if we're talking TE, that tackle running up the field, we've got to shut his rush down. I can't at guard let him blow through my B gap. Now he's in the hip of the tackle, and we're splitting on different levels. So you got to stop the penetrator first, you know, and then uh, when, when your guy loops, that's when you're falling back in or, or knocking a guy out with just great violence. And we teach that more like a, a base drive run block than we do any kind of pass set. Like we're just trying to use as much force as we can to explode through the, the down line and penetrator and, and bump off the adjacent lineman for the looper. So that's, you know, that's challenging already. Now, when you add in a back, so that guy's, you know, five yards or wherever your baseline is in, in your backfield, and you're trying to, you know, work to a linebacker and then picks the guard, and the back's got to work with the guard because they've essentially built a, um, you know, first and second level twist game. That's hard. And so that takes, takes a bunch of reps, and it takes some courage from your back to get up there and, and try to get to the guard's hip and take the space out of the thing as, as quick as you can. Okay, so we've talked about sort and man, and we've kind of, the examples I've been asking and putting forth have been mostly even. But let's talk about the odd world and how you play odd fronts where the edge guy, and I'm talking true odd fronts, where it's 4i, 0, or 5, and then, so those are kind of lump them together, and then whether there's a guy walked up or there's a guy that's not walked up, because I know that changes a lot of things. Yeah. So I, I think where you start is there's kind of two there to me, there's two different ways to block an on front in, in protection to where either you can slide, have a four man slide away from the back and have your back on a, on a duel. So if we're talking about like a three by one formation um, and if the two, you know, uh, weak linebackers were the will and the buck, he can duel those guys and then you're sorting away a four man sort away from him. Or you can, you know, keep the guard, the back the the you know, backside guard on his side. 
and essentially you're splitting the the front in half and saying, okay, we're 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 either going to fan out to a guy at the end of the line, uh, or we're going to stay solid inside out to that Mike linebacker, and then work out late to the edge guy. Um, so those those are the two basic ways you can begin blocking odd defenses. So I've done done both of them. Um, I think the more flexible of the two is. Uh, is starting by saying, "Hey, let's just break this defense in half. You know, we got two bubbles. Uh, let's let's let these guards decide on how we want to handle the bubbles." And you go into it saying, "Okay, uh, it begins. You know, for us, it's always going to begin with personnel, right? You know, is it is it a you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers and they got T.J. Watt? You know, uh, he's one of their overhang players. Well, you're you're setting you're setting to him to start." Right, he's out there to rush the passer, so we're always going to set to him to start, and then we can fall back in and react to the inside linebacker. Um, or is it just space? You know, everybody's everybody's all the same type of guy. Um, you know, and there's, so there's no personnel tip on what they're trying to do, and and then you're just saying, okay, we're going to fan this because the edge player is tighter than the inside guy, or the edge player is apex. Uh, we're going to, you know, stand in to the mic here and keep it solid. So those are those and developing your rules. Hey, when you want to stay solid, when you want to fan, and then when in the protection, you're going to bring, borrow your backside guard and turn it into a four man slide. Those are the, those are the real questions you have in odd. Now I know some of the dangers of sliding odd fronts, what are they and coaches that really half slide that really want to stay in that half slide world where this is like, I'm sorry, I keep saying half slide sort world where they're treating it like a four, one sort. What do you, what are the pitfalls you got to worry about if you decide to try that? Cause I know there are some. Well, to me, it begins with, are there two threats to your back? You know, does you, does your back have, have two threats to his side? And that's when, for us, we would never we would never four man sort away from the back when the back had two threats. Um, so if he's he got two linebackers that can both are both in position to come, then we're never going to four man sort away from that. And um, you know now you get some of those overloaded fronts or some elaborate things where the back only has one threat there. Okay, great. Now we can four man sort away from that because if his one linebacker comes. He's got them. So I think that's the biggest, because it's easy to say, hey, we'll just keep this in, you know, if if our digit side's right, then we're going to four-man sort away from the back. But, you know, how are you telling him to protect this thing if he's got two threats? You know, that's where you're better off, um, you know, treating it as as two sides of a defense and, and you know, fan and solid as opposed to, four-man sword and that stuff. Now, you mentioned, this is the last question, and then I do the championship question, and then I'll get you out of here. You've been gracious yeah. with your time. All the junk fronts that you see or you're going to see, especially with those boys coming from Tuscaloosa and Athens into <laughs> the conference, um, I just interviewed Dan Lanning yesterday for um, the defensive podcast, but... I know y'all like to call them junk fronts. You know, you want to talk about disrespectful, how we disrespect you and those sleds when you talk about how, you know, we make you these armless, non-moving targets. 
Listen, I, I'm also paying attention about what you refer to some of our concepts yeah. and the word yeah. junk front gets thrown around a lot. So, uh, but what do you do? What's your starting point when you're looking at this stuff where you're getting, you know, everybody walked up, you're getting four to a side and then they're bringing Sims away from that. And, and, and how yeah. are you, what's your evaluation process for, and your starting point for dealing with that stuff? I, I think, um, for me, you try to you try to put it back into whatever your rules that you're most comfortable with, you know. So, okay, if if we're talking about the overload front stuff, all right, hey guys, this is just a four down front, but the nose is already cross face on the center here. Okay, so then we're going to use our, our four down calls, or um, okay, it's an odd spacing, guys, but everybody's all walked up. All right, so obviously we're going to use our odd communication here, but they've already made the decision whether we're fanning or staying solid for you by having somebody walked up in your face. So I think the more elaborate the defense gets, as an online coach, a big part of your job is is how do I keep it simple for these guys? You know, the, the games that I've walked out of and felt really bad about our protection plan it was more often than not that I let it be too complicated, you know, and maybe it sounded good or I thought it was a good idea to have this adjustment. And, but that wasn't something our guys were really comfortable doing. And that was my fault, you know, whereas there's, there's a simpler way to pick it up. There's a simpler way to communicate it. And that's probably going to be the best way, uh, especially if you guys have a whole bunch of reps on it. So, you know, I think when, when you – and we, we hit the opponent's blitz state pretty early in the week. And so you don't have your, you know, your bearings completely on the opponent. And every week, you know, it, it's just, oh, my God, I got to pick all this stuff up. And, I mean, it can be really overwhelming. But it's your job as the coach to go through it, you know, watch it, get your own comfort level. And then when you present it to your guys, you're like, hey, this no big deal, you know. Hey, when they get in this junk front, we're just going to make this adjustment. No big, no big deal. Right. And so you kind of want to present it to those guys with a, with a calming, uh, calming voice, even knowing that, Hey, some of these, some of these patterns and some of the things people are doing are really, really elaborate and a major pain in the butt. But, um, you know, as an online coach, your job is to try and keep it simple for your guys, put it in simple boxes. That makes sense. Don't panic until you need to. It's the great Patrick Walsh always told me. Yeah. So, hey, the, wor- the worst thing, you know, so when you play guys that have really good rushers, a lot of the time they do less. And so you're sitting there as an online coach going, oh, my God, we have to block these guys. That's terrible. And then maybe next week you play something that doesn't have great rushers and they're going to run the most elaborate stuff in the world. And now you're worried about the pattern. So just assume there's never going to be a week that you're you're happy and and contented as an online coach. It's just not in the job description. Here's the million dollar question: What do you do when they do both? Yeah, when they do, when they do, they do both, uh, that's a problem. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I'll, I'll still take tough patterns over really really good rushers, though. You know, there's only so many. Only so many solutions to, uh, to uh, you know, a freak show rushing off your edge. So, yeah, 
There's only so many ways you can block Will Anderson. That's right. That's right. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast and their first time here. Hopefully, I'd love to have you back future years. I'm already throwing that out there because you've been such okay. a fan. Same fantastic guest. You don't have to say yes now. I'm not, there's no pressure here, but here is the scenario. And I want to, I know we've been talking about past pro and these sort of things. And, but I want to kind of get your feel for this. The question is, and here's the scenario. It is, it is the national championship game. You are down by two. There's 11 seconds left. It's fourth and eight. And you're at the 35. You got a timeout. As I mentioned, there's 11 seconds. You want to get that first down. You feel good about your kicker, so you're not going to try any, like, well, we should just try to go for the end zone now. Um, but you're you're feeling good about it. What's your call? What's, your, what's going to be your favorite call? And there's no, and the one caveat, you can line up whatever you want. The only caveat is, not really caveat, but one of the only qualifiers is there's no, like, superstar on your team where you're like, all right, I'm going to get, the, I'm going to run a curl route to, you know, I have Randy Moss and I'm going to throw a jump ball to him or something. It's, it's more of a schematic question and you got to tell all me right. the protection too. We can't be talking about this all day and then we get to the end and then you wouldn't even get into that. Well, how many online coaches have you, have you uh, interviewed for this? A couple, a, a couple. couple. All right. All right, yeah, because I I could go fully online coach and say we're just going to get in twenty two personnel and run power on fourth and nine. <laughs> no, I thought you said third and nine. Okay, fourth. No, fourth and nine. Fourth and nine. Fourth and nine. Um, yeah. Well, so I think you know you spread it out. You're in you're in your six man protection. We've been talking about all day, and I I think that's to me a scenario where you're going to have a a two play call of are they playing two man. Okay, then we're going to get to our best two-man beater, um, you know, and run a uh, run a a looky route with your back, or or um, you know, an option route somewhere in there to take advantage of that with whoever your juiciest guy is. And if not, then get into your you know your best your best zone beater concept. So, I guess that would be my generic answer to that. Do you have a zone beater concept you really like that if you were calling um, plays? Uh, no, not really. Number one, I'm a I'm an online coach, Vass, so uh, I'm I'm worried about blocking those guys up front. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, it would be it would be it'd be you know your your three by one. I'll go. I'll go special. Ooh. You can have yeah. anybody read out and snap it off, or are you just gonna go for it? Yeah, well, yeah, you're, yeah, the 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 special seam runners got all kinds of rules. You better have worked it all year, you know. If you're if you're going to be, when I was with the Detroit Lions, I was coaching online, but I drew our entire passing game too. Um, and you know, we Joel Lombardi. What the hell was, did the offensive coordinator do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say I came up with it. I said I drew it. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, it's gotcha. Been, oh, as an okay. online coach, was a, it was an interesting year. Cause I don't, I don't know that I'd been to a passing game meeting prior to that. So, um, but Joe Lombardi was our offensive coordinator at the time. He's with the chargers now. And, but he was a uh, new Orleans <laughs> West coast system through and through. And, and, uh, you know, that's where everything started for us. Uh, all go special three by one, a uh, four vert concept. And then, but the amount of time you spent 
working that special seam runner, you know, that that's where you felt great. You felt confident in him winning and knowing how to respond to any type of zone coverage. You know, what's funny about the West coast offense is not, and I'm studying this a lot now I'm studying, I, I have about like four or five different offenses. So I'm studying the commanders while well, I'm studying Shanahan early from like 2010 to 20, uh, 2016, McVeigh when he was with the Commanders, Kavanaugh and O'Connell when he was at the Commanders, McVeigh now, the little you know Aaron Cromer, a lot of those old, uh, not old Rams mm-hmm. guys, but guys that were at the Rams in that family, and you know everybody talks about the West Coast offense being the short passing game, and you use the short passing game as an extension of the run, and the first play they put in is four verts. I'm sorry, all yeah. go special. The first play that they put in. It not it's not yeah. Bill Walsh where it was you know two jet flanker no. drive or whatever that shit's out. It is two jet all go special um, or they have a code word for it now they all use Aggie. I know everybody. I mean that's kind of uh, it's a lot of people use that. I'm not giving away any secrets, but yeah, it's it's hilarious to yeah. me because the air raid guys, you know, there's always those jokes and jabs. Oh, West Coast offense, short passing game. And then you tell the air raid guys, hey, listen, you know, the, the number one concept they're putting in is four verts, right? And they're like, oh, sure. respect. Well, I I think in, in, you know, when people talk about offense like that, I talk about the West Coast offense. I think it, it just goes back to verbiage. You know, like, hey, what, what kind of verbiage are you using? How are, how are you tagging your routes? How are you talking about your protection? You know? And because it's, you're right. It's morphed so much from Bill Walsh was with the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. And they're throwing timing routes for the first time. Um, so yeah, the, those teams, they just have a similar way of, of talking, but yeah, it's, it, that, that's a very fair point there where it, it begins with, begins with the down the field throw. Yeah. I, I was, it was interesting to me because when I learned, I was learning offense coming up. Um, my first year coaching, I did both. I, I coached quarterbacks at Los Altos High School, which is literally almost in your backyard at Stanford. Yeah. In fact, I think yeah. it's the second, I want to say it's the second or third closest high school. Obviously, Pally's right across the street, but I, I want to say Los Altos has got to be the second closest high school to you. Yeah. Anyway, um, I coached quarterbacks, and the we didn't run it. Um, I don't know if you ever came across Rick Rasnick. He was the offensive coordinator. He coached college ball. Back in the 80s and 90s, he was the OC for Utah and the dirty was a dirty bird, Jamal Anderson. And then he was the head coach, uh, head coach at Eastern Michigan, rather. So we were running a spread offense and he was running a lot of the zone stuff. Dennis Erickson passing game because he was a GA for Erickson. But the quarterback coach that I was learning from was a West Coast guy. So when we went through that stuff, it was a lot of, you know, flanker drive and a lot of that short passing Mm -hmm. game, dragon spacing and all that spacing. Yeah. And now you talk to the guys and you look at the guys and they're throwing all go special, these deep ass 22 yard over routes and and all this deep stuff. And it's like, you know, this isn't uh, your dad's uh, West coast offense anymore. Anyway, I don't want to go on a tangent because I could talk to you all day and I know that you don't want to talk to me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I know you got stuff to do and you just came off the road uh, spring recruiting. How many weeks? Four weeks? Yeah, something like that. Four or five Literally weeks. four or five weeks off the road, landed three hours ago, and he came on here to talk to you guys. What a mensch. Uh, Coach, give us your Twitter handle real quick so everybody can follow you. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Terry 
T E R Y underscore half H E F F. Um, that's the Twitter handle. And yeah, feel free to follow me and reach out. I, I love, you know, Twitter's become such a wonderful place to learn football, um, you know, and, and shoot, take plays right off of there and, and install them. It's, it's a great resource. And so, yeah, uh, I love the interaction and I appreciate you very much for having me on. I've been a big fan of the podcast and, and all your content there and just happy to be a part of it. Thanks, man. I really, really appreciate it. And thanks again for doing that huddle deal. That was awesome. Oh, yeah, no problem. I'll post a no link. Problem. That was fun. I'll post the rewind. I, actually, there's going to be a commercial in here somewhere with the link to all the rewinds. But go back, watch that. Not only did, you know, as I mentioned, I think earlier, you not only did Terry do it, he's like, oh, I got these other two studs. And, I mean, it was uh, huddle. I'm like, look at these. You know, of course, I didn't tell huddle that you got him. I was like, look at these three guys <laughs> I got. And they're like, you got all three of them? And I'm like, no, well, I asked Terry, and then Terry got his friends. I'm like, oh. <laughs> anyway, thanks again, Terry. Appreciate you. Yeah, all right. Thanks for having me. Thank you again to Terry Heffernan for coming on the podcast and also for doing that huddle Blitz 22 clinic. That was really awesome. Awesome guy, great teacher. And now he's a Bay Area guy, so he's like practically family or something. Quick housekeeping notes, make sure you check out that Coach2 bundle, bit.ly slash tightfrontvass. Follow me on Twitter at CoachVass, at Podcast, and at RunVassOption. Check out the website, CoachVass.com. The Patreon at Patreon.com slash CoachVass, as well as YouTube, YouTube.com slash CoachVassFootball. Underdog Fantasy, use code VASS, that's V-A-S-S. They'll match your money. Up to 100 bucks of bonus cash. It's free money. Take it. What are you doing? And if you forget all this stuff, go to linktree.com slash coachfast or just go to my Twitter bio. Sorry again about the delay. I'll try to put out more content. I know that I've gotten a lot of messages about the show, and I really, really appreciate them. I will try to do a better job getting these out. But whether you believe in four verts or three yards in a cloud of dust, we got you covered.